0: Hi, my name is Ruby, and I'm Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife's assistant, and you're listening to the Dr. Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive. The podcast you'll be listening to today is entitled Obedience, originally produced and published by Sheree Phelps of the 10,000 Hours of Writing website. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy this
1: episode. You know, I think about. That our moral development has a lot to do with the experience of living life and choosing, having agency.
0: That's Dr. Jennifer finlayson fife
1: Being someone who is acting in and upon the world and in that process, getting more refined and wiser in one sense of right and wrong.
0: She's a licensed clinical professional counselor with a PhD in counseling psychology
1: in one sense of what it is to be human. And if you're developing that in line with your conscience or integrity, you become more capable of self-acceptance and love of others.
0: But you could also call her an activist. Her work has brought on a tidal wave of social change for the better, stirring an awakening with her words and confronting false traditions that have been destroying the individual and relationships. She dismantles destructive ideas within our culture that get in the way of living a meaningful life. And she shows people how to free themselves from the oppressive prison of validation dependency. Today, her conversation will cause you to thoughtfully reflect upon the way you view obedience.
1: I have some difficulty with the way that we generally talk about the concept of obedience, or the idea of it, the kind of inherent virtue of it, because I think that's a dangerous idea.
0: My name is Shrey Phelps. This is 10,000 Hours of Writing, an audio blog sorting through morals, ethics, and faith. Nobody really wants to talk about it. Abraham's story, you know the part where God asks him to kill his son by stabbing him with a knife just to test Abraham to see if he will do whatever God asks him to do? It's not a pleasant story. In the 1800s, there was some Egyptian papyra found that revealed more of Abraham's story. Turns out, when Abraham was a boy, he was nearly sacrificed to the Egyptian gods. As the priest was about to lift his hand to kill Abraham, God miraculously saved him, setting him free. So, fast forward the clock. Years later, Abraham has a son and names him Isaac. And while Isaac is still a boy, God asks Abraham to do the very thing which drove Abraham away from his homeland. It's a complicated story, and it's in the Bible, so that makes it more challenging to reckon with. For me, I struggle with the story because it seems to promote the idea that it's honorable to be obedient no matter what. It seems to encourage a kind of thoughtless, blind obedience. And I can't get behind the idea that we should obey even when it conflicts with what we feel is right and good, and that obedience is somehow the most superior religious act of worship. Often, Abraham is honored because of his willingness to obey, even if it meant he was to kill his own son. It's unsettling to accept that the truly, quote, righteous are the ones who are willing to be obedient at whatever cost. But can't that kind of ideology create religious terrorists, killing them in a name of obedience to the religious authority figures? It doesn't make sense to me that it's good to obey even when it conflicts with what you think is good and right. And I can't wrap my head around how Abraham could have come to the conclusion that killing his son was a good idea.
1: Right, it's an immature notion of God, in my opinion. A God that just wants you to do what he says doesn't matter if it's virtuous or not. You know, that feels more like an immature, abusive man, right? (laughs) Not God, you know, the wisest of all. And so I think it's us projecting our limited understanding onto God. I mean, I think it's a symbolic story. Um, And... I think the way that we tend to interpret that story is in in the way that you're saying, which is that Abraham was so obedient that he was willing to give up his most beloved son. And that made him spiritually superior. Um, I don't like that interpretation. I mean, I, I think we would all recognize that if, that if there was anyone who was bringing their son out into the woods and saying God had told him to do this, we would help check them into a mental institution. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symbolic story, and I think the symbolism in it is more around this idea of sacrifice and how fundamental sacrifice is to our development, not obedience the sacrifices and I think God God, in this symbolic sense calls upon us to sacrifice our lower desires for our higher desires to sacrifice the things that are more trivial that may still feel good to us for the things that elevate us and bring us closer to God and so I think that's the way I interpret that story is in that meaning okay wait did you catch what she just said? And I think the symbolism in it is more around this idea of sacrifice and how fundamental sacrifice is to our development, not obedience.
0: Nearly every religion speaks about the value and importance of obedience. The obedient are praised and honored. Obedience can aid in our development, but it can also be
1: dangerous. So, I mean, I, again, I, I, you know, the language of obedience trips me up a little bit because so often it's presented to us in this don't ask questions, just do. God loves that, right? And I I don't think of it that way. I think if you can go along with what is being asked and it doesn't compromise you in any way, and you know it's a part of the greater good, or you know it's protective of you from consequences you're not sure you can handle or live with, then it's virtuous. You're you're yielding to something Maybe it's outside of your understanding. Maybe it's protective, and you have some trust in doing it, but it doesn't compromise your basic sense of right and wrong, or it's not undermining the integrity of who you are. Then, by all means, right? Because especially if it's for the greater good, or it's protective of you. Uh, um, you know, at the, you know, I don't know why my parents tell me not to run into the street without holding someone's hand, but I'm going to trust that. Okay, that's going to work in your favor right until you can function from a wiser place um yeah so i I think though that anytime we start losing our responsibility for our choices though that then it's problematic and a lot of us do that well i obeyed and so god's going to bless me somehow somewhere even though i wasn't even sure it was the right thing for me to do i think that is not a good uh that is not a good tenet of faith to promote
0: One of the ideas around obedience is the promotion of the problematic mentality of don't ask questions, just do it. In October 2018, this dangerous idea was chipped away at by Del G. Runlin when he said, quote, Our Heavenly Father's goal in parenting is not to have his children do what is right, it is to have his children choose to do what is right and ultimately become like him. If he simply wanted us to be obedient, he would use immediate rewards and punishments to influence our behavior. But God is not interested in his children just becoming trained and obedient pets.
1: You know, I think that sometimes we want to place it in the frame of either obedience or integrity, and I don't think that it's one or the other but it's very important that you don't use the idea of obedience you don't you don't ever want to elevate it above integrity because if you obey something against your basic sense of what's decent right or fair you'll pay a price for that and you are then complicit in evil because if you're going to comply against your integrity against your basic sense of right and wrong you're going to comply and just kind of hope that God will give you a pass because, uh, you know, you're doing it out of someone else's expectation of you. I think that is not the right way to think. So it's not either or, you know, either obedience is good or integrity is good. I think that you don't, though, want to obey against your integrity. Then it's then it works against your, your uh, peace of mind and your wholeness.
0: In 1841, there was a ship that struck an iceberg and began to sink. There were only two lifeboats on board. The passengers and crew hurried to claim one of the limited spots. But in the commotion, one of the lifeboats lost the plug in the bottom of the boat and its rudder was broken. That lifeboat held more than 40 people, way beyond its capacity. A makeshift plug was made to replace the lost one, which helped to slow the water coming in through the bottom of the boat but because the boat was so heavy, water was continuously spilling over the sides. Unbearable panic began to grow after drifting aimlessly for 12 hours. They had no way to steer the ship and had an unsettling fear that their lifeboat was going to sink. The first mate happened to be on this lifeboat, and because the captain was not there, the responsibility to take charge fell on him. Assessing the hopeless situation that they were in, He commanded the sailors to lighten the boat by throwing people overboard. Four sailors complied and followed his orders. Two refused and would not obey. In this situation, duty and obedience can almost feel like a trap. What's the difference between obedience that is valuable and obedience that is dangerous? When is it good to yield? When is it good to comply? When is it good to obey?
1: I mean, again, I I do not like the word obedience because it's really, it's really laden with this idea that you are obeying God, your superior, your church leader. Therefore you're going to get blessed no matter what. And I don't like that idea. I don't believe in a transactional God that values obedience for its own sake. the, the thing that I do believe is a virtue though, meaning because it promotes more goodness, is a willingness to go along with a structure, to yield to things for the larger cause or the greater good that you are one part of. So you subjugate maybe your personal want for the, your participation in the larger good, which might mean yielding to somebody who's above you in the chain of decision making because it is creating better for doing it. But it's still very much a moral enterprise. Or you're saying, look, I don't have the time or capacity to question this authority around this important issue, my health or whatever. So I am going to take it on trust. And therefore, the greater good happens, assuming the person is trustworthy. But the greater good happens because you're able to borrow wisdom, you get a shorthand for wisdom. So those are two valuable ways in which a basic deference has pro-social consequences. And it would be dumb to say you're never going to yield to anyone, never trust anyone, you're going to sort it all out on your own. I mean, it would really undermine you. But so that's what I mean. But that's different than saying, you know, God just loves it when you yield, even if you think it's, it doesn't make any sense to you. I think God does love it when you yield because you really do feel it's right, even if you don't yet understand it fully. That's faith. Like you can feel, and I've seen this very much in my life, where even times where I've had to kind of come forward and acknowledge something or admit to something that made me feel embarrassed, I I would feel the kind of prompting or the pull to um, be more honest, for example. And so that was like an act of faith, because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't know what it was going to mean. And yet I was following what felt true, even though I didn't yet have a full understanding. And so anytime I've Done things like that where you can feel the pull of your conscience or the feel that something is right, but I don't yet fully understand it. Again, that's very valuable because you, it's a way of scaffolding your, it's a way of um, basically moving your behavior into a higher level of functioning. It's a way of learning through choosing. So again, that's very, very valuable. But again, it's not obedience for its own sake. It's a kind of faithful choosing, using your conscience as a measure in that process that mobilizes and and brings you forward in your moral and relational development.
0: Okay, listen to this last part one more
1: time. And so that was like an act of faith because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't know what it was going to mean. And yet I was following what felt true, even though I didn't yet have a full understanding. And So anytime I've done things like that, where you can feel the pull of your conscience or the feel that something is right, but I don't yet fully understand it. Again, that's very valuable because you, it's a way of scaffolding your, it's a way of um, basically moving your behavior into a higher level of functioning. It's a way of learning through choosing. So again, that's very, very valuable. But again, it's not obedience for its own sake. It's a kind of faithful choosing, using your conscience as a measure in that process that mobilizes and and brings you forward in your moral and relational development.
0: One idea that Dr. Finlayson Fife often talks about is the way that dependency on validation gets in the way. A dependency on validation is an oppressive prison that limits your emotional and moral
1: development. Well, I think that we're born with a conscience or the light of Christ is the one way that we talk about it in in religious circles. And that is that we all have the gift of discerning between good and evil or right and wrong, and you know there's a lot of evidence that this capacity exists cross culturally on some sort of foundational or fundamental level when morally disgusting behavior uh, is happening that people recognize it across the board and um, and so. You know, I think about that our moral development has a lot to do with the experience of living life and choosing, having agency, being someone who is acting in and upon the world, and in that process, getting more refined and wiser in one sense of right and wrong, in one sense of what it is to be human. And if you're developing that in line with your conscience or integrity, you become more capable of self-acceptance and love of others. I think you start to better understand the mind of God. And I think the way you do it is primarily in this process of loving and being loved in conscience. And it's a, it's a deeply imperfect process. It's not like that. Ability to recognize that inner compass or to recognize what is true and wise is just all developed and sitting within us. The compass or that conscience is a guide as we walk through a lot of uncertainty. Um, I mean, one way to think of it is maybe the more solid your sense of self, the more willing you are to be true to yourself. I think that's true, but I think it's also the other way. The more true you are to your conscience, the more solid yourself sense of self becomes the more you learn to trust yourself and you earn your self-respect and are less needy of the validation of other people and you know often what you're pushed up against is preserving or keeping other people happy with you seeing you the way you want to be seen you know likable or you know versus doing what you really believe is fair or right whether that's admitting to wrongdoing or standing up against pressure from a group, that you are tolerating the invalidation of your position for the larger, the higher good of the honest or more moral position. And so this desire to keep people happy with you can really dominate your moral decision-making. When you are moving out of a need for validation, And you then have a more developed conscience, a more developed sense of right and wrong. And so you're more able to be a force for good if you have the moral courage to follow through on what you think is really right.
0: Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in our show notes below to learn more about where you can find Dr. Finlayson Fife's website, her online courses, information about her upcoming events, information about her free Facebook group, and more. Thank you for being here.